0: Welcome, once again, to Pandora's Box.
1: I just want to bang. I do let you bang.
0: Welcome to Pandora's Box. I'm your host as always, A penny whistle. To the left of me we have... Young Bullwinkle, do you want to bull, give yourself bull. an alias today? What should I be? Uh, I'll be Ziz. 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 So the right where we have Mr. Drusif Armstrong. Hola, Do you want to give yourself Ka- an alias today, man? Yeah, um, Faldo. Faldo. Mm. Faldo and Ziz. Mm. Yeah, cheers for joining us, everybody. Um, if you're listening for the first time, Pandora's Box is a topical, factual, and sometimes Ooh. just silly show where we talk about a plethora of of different topics and subjects and all sorts of things really sometimes we get quite educational sometimes we get quite daft mm. so um, we don't know what's gonna be coming your way today what's coming out we'll the just box. find out Um for any of you that didn't know what that played in what played us in today that was the Eve of War um, by Jeff Wayne and that was um, Jeff Wayne's musical that was written about the the war of the worlds so that's like, quite like a legendary like a legendary piece of fiction really mm. the war of the worlds um and it's got a great story behind it so did you know that when that was a re- originally released on air um so like orson wells basically like released that on um on the radio back in 1938 mm. and um it was the week of halloween and he released it and he's, apparently he sort of, like, tried to make it so it seemed like it was, like, a real broadcast. Like, it right. was, like, a legit radio right, thing. Right, right, But right. he said that he thought, like, him and his team, that were sort of putting it together. And it's funny, because I could almost, like, imagine us trying to do something like this, and you'd mm. never imagine in a million years that people would actually fall for it. Yeah. But him and, like, the, you know, like, the guys that he was working with in the studio... They thought like they're going to try and broadcast it like it's a real life event, but he thought that like him and this like coworkers never believed in a million years that anybody would ever take it seriously because they just thought it was like so out of this world, yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, loads and loads of people took it seriously and it literally like caused like mass hysteria and mass pandemonium. Oh. Yeah, so um, I got something up about it. I'll read what, it. What, with like, the music and everything? thats was it just the story? With, like, the well, music, well, no, because yeah. Jeff, Jeff Wayne wrote, if I believe this... Right, so it was uh, originally um, The War of the Worlds was a book ah. that was written by H.G. Wells. Okay? So H.G. Wells writ, wrote the classic The War of the Worlds in, uh, I think, sometime late in like the 1800s, I think. Um, and it was in 1938 that Orson Welles um made like a radio adaptation and mm. then later on i think maybe in like the the 80s i think then jeff wayne made a musical ah, out of it okay right. so at the time it wouldn't have been like what we just listened oh, to. Okay. Then. Yeah, 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 I know. yeah obviously actually yeah yeah, but, yeah but um i've got something up about it so i'll i'll, I'll um, read out about it so it says on halloween morning 1938 orson wells awoke to find himself the most talked about man in america the night before, Wells and his Mercury Theatre on the air had performed a radio adaptation of H.D. Wells' The War of the Worlds, converting the at-the-time 40-year-old novel into fake news bulletins that described a Martian invasion of New Jersey. Oh, my God. Some listeners mistook those bulletins for real-life reporting, and there were thousands of anxious phone calls to police, newspaper offices and radio stations... Um, ...convinced many journalists that the show had caused um, nationwide hysteria. By the next morning, the 23-year-old Orson Welles' um, face and name were on the front pages of newspapers coast to coast... ...along with headlines about the mass panic his CBS broadcast had allegedly inspired. Welles barely had time to glance at the papers, leaving him with only a horribly vague sense of what he had done to his country. He'd heard mass reports of stampedes, even suicides... And what? of angered, Whoa. yeah, and of angered listeners that were so so annoyed, uh, angry with him that apparently there were people um, that said they were going to shoot him on site <sighs> if they saw him Whoa. because they'd caused so much like destruction to America. Um, he said at the time um, when interviewed about it, if I would planned to wreck my career, I couldn't have done it. Any better way. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. I like that. With his And then it goes on to say, with his livelihood and possibly even his freedom on the line, Wells went before dozens of reporters, photographers, and newsreel cameramen at a, at a hastily arranged press conference in the CBS building. Each journalist asked him some variation of the same basic question. Had he intended or did he anticipate at all that the War of the Worlds would throw its audience into mass panic? And then it goes on to say that, that question would follow Wells for the rest of his life. Um... Uh, But apparently all the people that worked with him to this day... Like say that, um, like right up until the day they died, so that nobody ever intended it like to cause mass panic. Like they want they they almost like wanted it. Pe- some people to believe it just because it was like Halloween. Yeah, but they just yeah. never believed in a million years that it would happen. So the mm. idea that like people would take it so mm. so. Did you
2: say he was twenty three when he did that? as yeah. well? that's pretty young, that's isn't cool. it? That, that's like yeah. that's like that's like you know. Yeah. you're just wanting to. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think I don't got, think you think, think about it so seriously yeah. as you were if, if you're a bit older, maybe. I think mm. you got
0: bearing in mind like in in say like nineteen. Um, did it say nineteen? yeah 1938 mm. um people tended to do stuff a lot younger yeah you know, people yeah, would, yeah, people totally, people yeah. would grow up faster so it wasn't uncommon for you to have like mm. a full you know like, have like two or three kids at home and like a full-fledged career by the time you were 23 whereas yeah. nowadays when you're 23 you're only really sort of still trying to figure out your life yeah and, yeah yeah you know so um but yeah and then it goes on to say um what's that there's some more interesting i know that um apparently it's like, really funny you know there's um in america apparently uh in new jersey there's um there's like water tanks that are on like, like that are like quite up high. Like, like I know they sort tw- of yeah, twenty, yeah, thirty yeah, feet I know up high. You mean on like on like and they Still. they stand them on like three like big legs <laughs> essentially. And because the news broadcast was was um, describing, um, like these Martian invaders as coming down on like tripods and stuff like that. Apparently they were like. Um, crazy, like ang- like angry, anxious, like farmers, like driving around New Jersey in the middle of the night in like trucks, like all these men that had gotten to the back of these like pickups and they were like driving around firing their shotguns at these at these oh water tanks, thinking that it was Martians invading. Oh my, crazy, isn't it? that's Man. such a good story, so absolutely crazy. crazy I
1: really want to hear the radio broadcast that they put out now. Yeah, oh. yeah,
0: oh, it'd be interesting to know if you could find it on YouTube yeah. or something. That'd be so cool. But it goes on to say by the end of October the thirty eighth. Sorry, October th- 1938. Wells Mercury Theatre on the air had been on CBS for 17 weeks. Um, it was a low-budget program, low programme without a sponsor. The series had built... A, so this is like giving some background now. So this mm. is actually like before the event. This was a low-budget programme without a sponsor. The series had built a small but loyal following with fresh adaptations of literary classics. But for the week of Halloween, Wells wanted something very different from the Mercury's earlier offerings. Um, In a 1960 court deposition as part of the lawsuit suing CBS to be recognised as the broadcast's rightful co-author, Wells offered an explanation for his inspiration for the War of the Worlds. He said, I had conceived the idea of doing a radio broadcast in such a manner that the crisis would actually seem to be happening in real time, and would be broadcast in such a dramatised form as to appear to be a real event taking place at that time, rather than a mere radio play. Without knowing which book he wanted to adapt, Wells brought the idea to John Houseman, his producer, and Paul Stewart, who was a veteran radio actor who co-directed the Mercury broadcasts. The three men discussed various works of science fiction before settling on H.G. Wells' 1898 novel The War of the Worlds, even though Houseman doubted that Wells had ever even read it. The original The War of the Worlds story recounts a Martian invasion of Great Britain around the turn of the 20th century, the invaders easily defeat the British army thanks to their advanced weaponry, which included a heat ray and poisonous black smoke, only to be eventually felled by earthly diseases of which the Martians had no immunity for. Um yeah, it's just so cool. And mm. then just basically went on to say that like basically the original novel was actually supposed to be like a satire of British imperialism. Mm. So it was like, you know, Britain was like the most powerful colonizer in the world and suddenly found itself colonized. Mm. So it was <laughs> right. supposed to be like satire. You know? Right, right, right. Um, but it, it had like some real world basis. So apparently in 1877, the Italian astronomer Giovanni Schiaparelli had observed a series of dark lines on the Martian surface that he called canali, which is Italian for channels. In, um, in English, canali got mistranslated to canals, a word implying that these were not natural formations that someone had built them wealthy self-taught astronomer Percival Lowell then popularized his this misconception in a series of books describing a highly intelligent canal-building Martian civilization H G Wells then drew liberally from these ideas in crafting a story of alien invasion the first ever of its kind mm. so that's a, that's a that's a really cool point in itself the because yeah. there's so much stuff like literature about aliens and movies about yeah, aliens yeah, yeah. now that's quite cool in fact that it's like the first ever piece of work like you know the first ever piece of like science fiction um, by 1938, the War of the Worlds had become familiar to children through the medium of comic strips and many succeeding novels and adventure stories, as Orson Welles told the press the day after his broadcast. After Welles selected the book for adaptation, Houseman passed it on to Howard Koch, a writer recently hired to script the Mercury broadcast with instructions to convert it into a late-breaking late news bulletins. Cock may have been the first member of the Mercury to read The War of the Worlds, and he took an immediate dislike to it, finding it terribly dull and dated. Science fiction in the 1930s was largely the purview of children, with alien invaders confined to pulp magazines and the Sunday funnies. Mm. The idea that intelligent Martians might actually exist had largely been discredited. Even with the fake news concept, Cock struggled to turn the novel into a credible radio drama in less than a week. So, I think basically the the point is, is, is... it was so, it was it was really rushed. This broadcast, like they literally went into the studio. Mm, mm. They hadn't even picked what book they were
2: going to mm, adapt. Mm. Um, and it wasn't just Wells that picked it; it was him and the two yeah, producers. Yeah. Like so, he he, going through some bits, and
0: like Orson Wells hadn't even like read it himself. Mm. Um, they sort of like rushed to like pick it, and then in less than like a week's time, they basically gave this guy like said that right, you need to like adapt this into like some like fake news bulletins. And the guy was like, for God's sake, and didn't even like the idea, didn't even think it was like a particularly good mm, story. Mm. So. They never, in a million years, yeah. had any idea that it was going to like cause us, and it caused like mass hysteria. That's so good. As mm. I said, man, I didn't know. Um, I knew I knew that story about the guys like um, firing the shotguns, and I knew that it caused mass panic, but I didn't know that like some people even like committed suicide. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Imagine almost like imagine almost like. Somewhere like the, in like some rural New Jersey, like late at night, and mm-hmm. just like having the radio on and hearing that like these were coming down and just like destroying everybody with like heat rays, and they were gonna like and they were wiping out mm-hmm. mankind, and just being almost like so paranoid and so like I'm taking
2: my life now, traumatized, yeah. just I'm like, right. they're coming for you.
0: <sighs> oh mm. my god,
1: that's a crazy story, isn't it? I felt like we need to um on on Aspen Wake Radio.
0: Yeah, we ought to on Halloween just randomly do a remake. Just randomly every now and again, we're just going to a fake news bulletin. Yeah, yeah, throughout the day. That that could be very <laughs> risky, couldn't it? Yeah, I said he had to go to court for that and everything. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you'd hope nowadays
0: with the internet and everything, people would be able to fact check that. Well, I think it depends what we broadcast. To be honest. Mm. Can you imagine? Like, can you imagine just for just for like a like? Can you imagine if you you broadcast mm. on air? Mm say that, like, a nuclear bomb was heading towards Britain. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, the mass hysteria that would create? Mm, like, imagine yeah. if you were just driving in your car and you heard that Jesus. and you just, like, switched on to Point radio and you'd never heard the station before. If you heard mm. that, you would almost just, like, trust that nobody would ever be yeah, such a yeah, mor- yeah, yeah. such a moron to make that up, wouldn't you? Yeah, Do you know what I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. I remember once, because um, we live near, like, a, a nuclear power station, I remember once, um, um like... That the power station alarm went off. And they sometimes just like, you know, they, they, uh, they like do like little drills, don't they? Where they like practice the alarm just to make sure that the alarms are working. Right. And they have to send out like, um, like letters to all the people that live within, like, you know, hearing distance, basically. So if you can, like, if you can hear it from your house, they have to send you a letter. So you, you get a letter saying about it. Um, but one day when, um, the alarm went off, um, for some reason like they they had like an issue where they couldn't turn the alarm off mm. and so it took like it took like three times three or four times longer than you took the alarm off and um and um my missus just like messaged her brother because he works there just to be like oh why is the alarm going on for so long and him like just t- 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 oh, a prank okay. just just put back like run like, <laughs> like like run the reactors like the reactor's broken or something <laughs> like that and like for about like for about two, minutes. I remember M came and told me, and like my m- my initial reaction obviously was gonna was gonna be like no, but then like it was almost this part of me that I thought like if this is real and I'm I do not want to be like <laughs> no, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember, I was just like started like just almost just like freaking out. I was like right, get in the car now. And do you know what I mean and almost just being like well, you know, ev- you know, just like. If, if, if it, it on the small chance it is real, like you might as well try and get away. Yeah, I thought I'm just gonna like yeah. try and like tank it over the hills or something, you know, before like the rest of the traffic like start trying to do it as well. And it's yeah. just like, there's like, and then like literally we got to the point where we were almost on the way out the door. Like, I literally just, just pretty much just like dropped everything and we were like just like rushing and that. And then mm. he just messaged back and he was like, only joking. Mm. Oh my god. <laughs> and then meanwhile, can you imagine they like coming and saying that to me? And all you can hear in the background is like, <laughs> oh my <laughs> god. He got you Yeah man I remember like that proper remember When she told me that I was just like She was like She came in really panicked so I'm, like, Looking at her face She was so scared was, like They told me it's not a drill we, got, we gotta go We gotta go now And she like So like purely terrified And I was like Okay 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 So like, I just like Grabbed my keys and that And just like Was like making for the back door I remember like My head just being like Shall I even grab anything And I was just like No and I literally was just like Gonna go Oh my god <laughs> Nothing <laughs> I remember the next time I saw him I was like you little so and so yeah you little, you little beep and he was like he was like yeah that was a pretty good prank was it and I was like yeah too fair that was a pretty good
2: prank
1: he <laughs> <laughs> sent the sent the final message just at the right time so you didn't drive drive off for uh, half an yeah. hour yeah can you imagine telephone? how
0: funny it would look to let like, any neighbours and that just suddenly seeing us like really frantically just like running out into the car and just like driving, and then like a couple of minutes later just driving back like real casually like and then just like walking back to the house like, real alarm. Chill, in like my boxer shorts and that <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, you've not even got, had time to get changed. Yeah, yeah, we can't go.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so funny, isn't it? That's so, good. That's yeah, so good. Yeah, I love the idea. Like, it's such a the thing. Is is back in those days? Obviously, like media in general was quite like a new thing, mm. wasn't it? Mm. So I can imagine it was like there's always going to have to be like those first couple of people that are going to have to like push the boundaries for that to yeah. like, make people realise. Like they yeah. never, obviously, those guys as I said like never had a clue that, mm. like, the ramifications of that. They just didn't think that even if people did listen that they would even take it seriously, let alone the fact yeah. that it would put, like, make the whole country go into, like, mass hysteria and panic.
1: I reckon you could get away with reading wa- uh, War of the Worlds on, on radio now, though. Mm. It's a bit different
0: saying there's a nuke coming. <laughs> what, you reckon if you, tr- if you like, forged, like, a... Because n- the thing is, there's a lot of people who would know about the War of the Worlds nowadays. Mm. What, you think if you, like, forged a new, um, sort of, like, a, a unique, original... Tale about how we were being invaded in aliens and Mm. like broadcast on the radio. What you think that like? I wasn't thinking about like that, but that's that's cooler, yeah. Well, yeah, because you couldn't get away with what it was it's been done before. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, yeah, it'd be cool to. Yeah, that'd be quite cool. Because I feel like there is, you know, your your argument could be, you know, everyone's got a phone, it's going to be like listening to
0: it. Realistically, anyone can can just look online. Yeah, but I also think you know, there's always going to be like those those couple of people that maybe are maybe like you know are not into the technology, mm. maybe like fifty pluses and stuff. Like, yeah. I know a lot of people that like yeah. like older people in my family and that that you know would still rely on like television and radio to get the news. Mm. You know, like
2: phobias. Yeah, mm. can you get like a scared of the internet phobia? Oh, I expect so. <laughs> I reckon like like a technophobe who don't don't yeah. like technology. Yeah, yeah. and but just reckon, older people. Yeah, yeah, interphobe. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: still, I net think phone. it would only it would only net be like younger people really, wouldn't it? That would be mm. like Googling to check it. And also, mm. what if it was like groundbreaking news and it hadn't even spread on like the Do you know what I mean you'd always be like wondering that, wouldn't you? If it yeah. freaked you out enough, if it was yeah. convincing enough mm. Yeah, yeah. It if depends you, how convincing you make it. Yeah exactly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It could be it could be like if you did it really, really well mm. you could freak some people out. Mm. That'd be quite an interesting thing to do. I even think, like, you know,
2: like, what we were saying about Led Zeppelins in, like, the last one or the one before, like, um, how crazy that would have been to see this massive, like, thing in the sea. Yeah, Zeppelin. It's a similar thing, isn't it? Like, imagine if, like, the. Uh, Like like UFOs and stuff like that. Mm. Like if the government were developing a new kind of jet or a new kind of technology that was like a new like flying up, and then you just saw it, it would literally freak you out. But It could just be like your government like just doing a test run on a new like plane, you know. Well, I
0: remember I remember um you know like stealth bombers. Can you like Mm. picture one in your head? Yeah, yeah. I remember because yeah, they were like classified for like years before they were made aware to the public, and I think it was only like the mid nineties where they were like made aware. But a couple of people before then um like didn't think that they really existed there had mm. been like reports of them and some people had like drawn them but some people because as i said they were like still classified pieces of like aerial um like you know equipment like military craft they were like cl- classified so people had like claimed to see them but it was almost like the official reports were like no like Not, nothing like this exists. Right. So people but then there are people that, so a lot of people were like nah they don't this it's just like weird actually. yeah you know and then everything? if you did see it you'd think it was yeah. like a UFO. Yeah and then in yeah. like 95 or something they were really casually like oh yeah actually no yeah it was just it was just classified because we were like testing it out yeah. we wanted to see mm. like because they obviously the whole point of the stealth plane they wanted to see test out it. its abilities. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So they test, were testing all these tests where they would like follow other other airplanes and that and see if it would like pick up on
2: radar and stuff like that. I wish I knew some of the, the stuff that's still classified because obviously mm. if you you think about like the history of like ha- how um uh, the government have acted with technology and things like that. Mm. It's still obviously the same. They wouldn't just stop doing it. So it's like, yeah. oh, what is like what ha- yeah. what, what what is right there now? now? Yeah, yeah. At, at the height of our technology as like a human race as well. Like mm. the things that they've been working on behind closed doors. It's like really intriguing. Oh like, man,
1: I punched the wall the other day. Yeah, like I was I was asleep and I had a nightmare, <laughs> but it was like my nan, like. Your like skipping, skipping <laughs> in a circle like really creepily like a kid would you know what i mean sort of like ring around the rosy, and that was fine that bit was just fine and i like was just kind of like sat face, there just right. like watching that was fine and then she like started she, she was going in a circle in front of me and then like once she just broke off from the circle and like came towards me and as she got close her face turned into this like ghost like demon and like went and i like i like went and j- literally jabbed it and then just, like, really <laughs> hurt my hand. Mm-hmm. And I woke up and was like, oh, fuck. Mate, mm. do
0: you know what's weird about that? I had a similar dream, but about um, Emily's nan, Wendy. <laughs> really? I had a dream that I was in my kitchen with Emily's nan and um, we were just chatting away as normal and Emma's mm. nan's got, like, a real distinctive laugh. It's, like, it's really, like, funny, like, summer, like cute little Somerset lady. It's like... Right. <laughs> but it's quite you know it's not quite as weird as like yeah, yeah, yeah but it, it's quite similar <laughs> but in my dream like she um she laughed at something and she was like e- he- 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 he. but then it was like and then i looked at her in her face yeah it was all distorting in that and then she was like oh, 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 oh. <laughs> it was like a full-on <laughs> she sure was really de- <laughs> demonic and then i fucking woke up and i was like what and then i remember telling them and she was like what she was like you had a dream that like my nan And some weird demon, and I was expecting she was like, That is fucking weird. And I was like, Yeah, I know it's weird. I was like, No, it's freaking weird, man. It's freaky.
1: I reckon my house has now got like a ghost for some reason. I've been having more nightmares for the past like week than I have in like two years. Really? So weird. Like, I had one where um, I was just sat in bed, and like, I think it was a dream, or I don't know if I was like half awake. Hmm. I, I don't really remember. But, um, I was just kind of sat there watching. I could see the, like, landing light was on. Hmm. I was waiting for it to go off so I could, like, go back to sleep or whatever. And then it sort of went off and I heard footsteps towards my door. And then I, who I assume was my dad, hmm. but it could have just been some, like, corpse. Yeah. just, like, came in floating, like, through my, through my door my well, like, in my room. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but I no, know, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. Like, where you kind of, like, half awake? Half, yeah. Yeah. I don't know because oh, I'm what, you pretty mean, like, sure. Sleep paralysis yeah. I thought I'm you would sure. be like, I oh, like, "Oh yeah, did it actually happen?" <laughs> yeah. No, because
2: sometimes you can think stuff like yeah, that. Like like, yeah, like when you're half asleep, or and, like, I think it yeah. might have been like that. Yeah, because
1: I think I was just kind of like <laughs> grab my phone, turn the light on. I like the idea that <laughs> like, like what it the the did fuck? actually
2: happen. Mm. Yeah, you've, got Me, uh, you've probably have you spoke to meg about some of her things no. i think we might have done at your house we might have like we might have, like um, i'd like to because yeah, she, she's about. had loads of like experiences Actually, no we have a little bit she was saying about this time in the forest yeah where it was all like the firemen and stuff and she had yeah. like a fireman like walk through her and everything yeah i remember her saying like that yeah and at her house as well they had these little victorian children oh, like, oh, running oh, around and the and yard and well, that, she and thought her like, brother came know. up the top of the stairs but then he was asleep downstairs yeah man. Uh, yeah, man, Yeah, man. because that's what it remind me of, because like, it, it remind me of your yeah. story, because they literally heard footsteps, and it had one of those old houses where it's like a latch door, mm. and, um, and, she, and they saw the latch go up, but the door didn't open, and they were like, that was really weird, so they went and checked, and Dan was just still downstairs, just flat out on the sofa, just completely mm. asleep, so it wasn't him, yeah. but um, yeah, that was weird. So those really experiences weird. like that. But I haven't said, really ever had any Yeah, that, you know.
1: My brother said he had a crazy experience in Scotland. Really? Like, recently, oh. Where, like, the hotel oh, they're nice. in, the that's hotel it, they're in, it. Um. They're obviously they stay there and the rooms upstairs are, like, free. Yeah. Because they don't book them out because the floors, like, really so sort haunted. of... Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> the floors are like really quiet. Mm. No, not quiet. Sorry, really loud. So if someone's oh, okay, walking like, up there and just creaky, keep Jake yeah. and Jake and Abby up. Right. So they always keep it done. And um, some guy that had Alzheimer's ended up like wandering up there one day and um, letting himself into one of the rooms. And Jake and Abby t- said that they just heard like screaming, So like oh, "No, man. no, mm. no!" Like his voice was going like all coarse and everything because he was like screaming, saying "No!" and just hearing like. Sort of moving around up there, and like there's a bump, and they're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and um, the next day, apparently, they went up, and there was like a kettle that had been thrown out the window, and there was blood all over the walls. And the
0: guy just like didn't mention it or didn't like want to talk about it. <laughs> what? So like he'd hurt himself? Oh, like yeah. Or was it? Right, because for a second I didn't know if you meant that there was like somebody in the room and they were Maybe. screaming because the n- a guy the guy without someone walked in and then it obviously like freaked him out and they were like no get out no because no
2: one's up there no no, no oh, it's yeah,
0: yeah, 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 it was yeah, just him it was just him
2: yeah Just going no that's freaky.
0: but man. apparently
1: they also hear this is what made it like even more creepy is whenever they're there and it's like alone they can like hear like the toilet flush and, like people walking upstairs when they know there's no one there and like oh. those times there is no one there. <laughs> And right. they can hear like just like footsteps and people walking up and down the hall- halls like so much so that my brother has gone and like inspected upstairs and just found nothing.
2: Mm.
0: I tell you one thing that happened once. Um, when I was in a hotel in Edinburgh. It just made me think, and because hotels are so strange in terms of the places that like you never know what's happened in the mm. room for you. Mm. As and as there's said, been so many people. A that lot have of in freaky there. stuffs happened in that room. Mm. You know what I mean? Regardless of what room you've been in, especially if it's like a like a hotel that's been going for like hundreds of years. Mm. Like the amount of people that have passed in and out, like. That's like the millions of people that have come and gone from that hotel mm. over like the hundreds of years. But yeah, it was like, I was in this hotel in Edinburgh and like was being like literally like got, in, got into the room, um, got on the bed, like got into my, my, uh, got into, like, my boxes. I'd like got on the bed and was just watching telly like really quietly. Mm. Right. So like wasn't making any noise to my feet. I wasn't walking around. I didn't have the telly on loud. I wasn't doing anything like that. And then there was like a knock on the door and I was like, oh, who the fuck's this? Right? And mm. I don't know if it was going to be like some like drunk person from down the corridor, or whatever. But I was like, oh, like, and I looked through like, the little hole and it was just like some hotel staff. Mm. So I opened the door, and they were like, oh, like, sorry to disturb you. They were like, can you can you keep the noise down? We've had like um like complaints from like all the rooms around you that you're like making loads of noise. And I was like, I'm literally like just lying on the bed watching telly like really quietly. And they were like, oh, like, well, you know, like whatever you're doing, can you like keep it down? And it almost like annoyed me a little bit, but I was like. Well, I'm telling you, I'm, like, I'm not making any noise, but, like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. I shut the door, but, like, I was, like, think back on that now, it's, like, that's like really weird. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just almost, yeah. like, in terms of, like...
1: What did they hear? Like, what, it was almost, <laughs>
0: like, the people, even though I was, like, in a really quiet room, just, like, on the bed. It's, like, what? Because, like, with the people in the rooms around me just hear, like... <laughs> and, like, mm. loads of weird stuff, like, mm. shouting and stuff. But I was, like, where were those sounds Because I didn't hear anything in my mm. room, so I was thinking, like... Do you know what I mean? It was, like... The obvious thing that you would think of is like, well, maybe it was the room next to me and they misidentified me. But it was like, well, if they were making that much the noise to the point where something. like, yeah, yeah. 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 to the point where like there were like more than one room complaining. then mm. surely I would have heard something, especially mm. considering, as I said, I was being really quiet. <laughs> like I literally had the telly on. Like, you know, like when it's like you're like, it's like so quiet. It's like if anybody was talking, you wouldn't be able to hear the telly.
2: Yeah. It was literally that I was
0: just monging out full on just monging. Just, like mm-hmm. watching the telly just like and then it was really strange and I was just like whenever I think about that to this day I'm like that was weird man I've never ever had anybody complain to me in a hotel before ever and I've been a lot more like raucous than that mm. a lot more fucking raucous <laughs> than that do you know what I mean like done some like really crazy f- silly shit and then like yeah the one time I'm just like watching telly quietly on the bed <laughs> you like, keep uh, it down yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was like all oh, right. yeah that's a bit weird isn't it mm. like phantom noises something about them something like phantom noises but I was going to say as well Weird that you said. I had the first hor- um, horror horror dream, the the first nightmare I've had in ages yeah. of the night, and it was really weird. Actually, mm. um, it almost like started off in my head, and do you know what? I reckon it was because. Do you remember like I, last week I said um, I played a song, didn't I, by a band called Camel, and I said the track reminds <laughs> me of like something like from like a level of GTA where right. you would, like play, yeah, 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 and it's like something yeah. where you like get stoned in the game and you'd have to like kill loads of aliens or something. Mm. And then, but and so like my dream started, and it was like I was playing um, GTA, right? But like it wasn't me playing. You know, it was like, it was like my oh. eyes with, was was like the the screen, mm. right? So it was like, my eyes with the screen. Yeah, so it's like I could see the I could see the character in third person. Mm. I wasn't in right. first person as character, okay. but I, no, I couldn't see myself in the room playing. You, it was like almost yes. like virtual oh, reality. Cool. Yes. Oh, that's yes. weird. Yes. That's cool though. So it was like that, um, and it started off that I was like playing like. Um, Like yeah, like playing like GTA, but then it turned into almost like a horror game version. And in the game, it was like I was trying to get away from Jason Voorhees, and I was playing as Trevor, one of the characters from GTA 5. And um and it was like really weird, and it was like in my dream I was with Michael, the other character from GTA Mm. five, and it was like I was there and it was like nighttime in the game, and Jason Voorhees were like coming after us, Mm. and it was like I was playing a level where you had to get away from Jason Voorhees but it was really like really hard but it got to the the point where it was almost like so immersive by then it started becoming stressful you know like nightmares mm. like they become too they become like too much and it becomes like stressful for you mm. yeah you know yeah and it was like getting like that and I remember just like doing stuff in like 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 you almost like, would in the real game so I remember like there was like a forklift truck so I like got in the forklift mm. and I and there was like a, a little like like entry like a little alley or something and I parked it like sideways <laughs> So like he so like Jason Voorhees wouldn't be able to get like do you know what I mean right mm. like get through and stuff like that but it was like every time I'd be like running in the game and it was like nighttime and every every time I'd look look behind me you'd be like really close and it was like just really like oh my like, god making me stress like out you can't get away yeah and then like I, f- I can't remember what happened in the end but it was like I finally woke up and I was just a bit like Whew. that was like a weird like horror yeah. version of GTA Five that I just like <laughs> lived out in my head
1: <laughs> like, do you know I had a thought recently yeah. um, do you reckon? That you speak in your dreams, and I don't mean like communicate, because obviously you can commu- communicate in your dreams. Because mm. you speak out loud when you're actually asleep, or some people do. I do, but um, yeah,
0: Evie does, my little daughter. It's hilarious. I like
1: sort of mumble. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I I came to this conclusion after a dream I had, where I woke up and was like, "Well, that was weird." I don't think that anyone actually talks. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think their lips move. And well, when I thought what you about mean, it, it, like, kind like of anyone makes sense. that you dream about or you, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Mm. I think so. Yeah, think when, I think. I think. I think telepathically, I almost like know what they're saying, but I don't think anyone actually think, kind of like. I, I think, think everyone's speaks. just kind of like. Mm.
0: I think that it's like almost like impossible to catalogue dreams like that because I think everyone is like. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They they mm. don't follow like a, a a a set way of being. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I think because it's pure imagination. Like the possibilities are endless with every different type of dream, and it's literally like almost like a pick and mix of mm. react. You know what I mean? So like. My weird dream, it was like I was playing a a video game in third person. Mm. You could have another dream... Where that, yeah, maybe you are talking telepathically to somebody, mm. but then you could have a dream that was almost like really mundane and it would just be like you like chatting to somebody that you used to go to school with randomly. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Mm. And it might just be really weird and boring and just seem like the most
2: random thing ever. yeah like, I'm mem- trying to think of whether I can actually remember talking in a dream. This is what where, I'm saying, yeah. Like I can I can remember remember people saying stuff. I can like, remember communicating, like, yeah. But not But I'm just thinking like me myself, like how mm. I'm talking now, like mm. have I ever dreamt and uh, like that I can remember where I'm actually talking to someone yeah. like yeah. yeah like, I can't that's hard for me to like And I feel like it kinda makes sense as well. Because if I was to if I was to close
1: my eyes now and picture you and you started speaking Mm. and I had to picture how your mouth moves when Mm. you say those
2: words, I couldn't do it accurately. Do you not Not at all? I don't think so. Hmm. I I can think other people. I can think, but I'm thinking like my Yourself. actual self. Yeah, 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 I yeah, can't, yeah, yeah. You I just kind of speaking,
1: spe- spectate other people's conversations. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You just kind of watch things happening. Hmm. Like.
0: Yeah, actually, I, I like. I know what you more like. What you mean now? Like the more we're talking about it, like I don't. I do know what you mean. Actually, yeah, it's almost. Like, but I think yeah. I I think. I can definitely sort of see it like with yourself, like you don't really feel like in dreams like mm, you're talking, you feel mm. like you're almost like telepathically communicating, telepathically communicating with the people in your dream. But then I feel like maybe they're talking back to you. Mm, That's how I mean right, it feel. Right, right.
2: Mm. And I remember reading about lucid dreams because I've always like really wanted to lucid dream. I've had like a couple of lucid mm. dreams where you actually like, you know, you're in a dream. So you, you, you like do stuff like, like fly in and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. But I always really wanted to do it. And um, there was this guy that was, like, a lucid dream specialist, and he was saying how, like, amazing it is. Like, he's, like, really, really good at lucid dreaming, basically. And he's saying that you can almost talk to an intelligence, which is your, like, subconscious. Right. And it will actually, like, beam out, like, words to you, like, in the dream. So, like, almost, like, you're talking to the dream, Mm. and the dream will answer in this, like, godlike fashion of just, Mm. like... You know what I mean? But you're actually talking to your own subconscious. So like, mm. That'd be so cool to have like, an experience. Really cool, yeah. just like, yes, son. <laughs> you know? mm. Yeah.
1: Whenever, I think, whenever I've whenever like, i lucid dreamed before, I wake up as soon as I figure out I'm in a
2: dream. Yeah. Oh, like, see, like, I haven't. I've... That's what I've been. I've been like, you, you, you you get oh, the ability I'm dreaming. To wake I'm, up I'm dreaming. And I'm like,
1: Oh I'm awake (laughs) Mm. I've done
2: it a few times Where like I've known I've been dreaming And I've stayed Mm. dreaming And it was amazing I remember like I was on some grass And I put my hands down On the grass And I was like Feeling it And I was squeezing it And I was like Oh my god This feels so real Like I could feel The texture Mm. of it And like Mm. And everything But it, it And then yeah I was just dreaming It was like Crazy. You can like train yourself to get better at it. Can't yeah, totally. Yeah. Like one of yes. them is like recognizing science. So in the in the waking state, if you like mm. look at your hands, I always hear about mm. it. You look at your palms, of your hands, because that's not something you do very often. Mm. But if mm. you make a habit of it, like mm. um, in in the day, like when you're dreaming, you could do it in your dream. Mm. And then when you look at your hands in your dream, that could be like a trigger. Yeah. To mm. say Triggers, yeah, yeah, like yeah. like, like um, oh, is this a dream? So every time you look yeah. at the hands, say, am yeah, I dreaming? really focus on that? thought yeah, yeah. yeah. And I thought that's pretty cool. But it's something I'm really interested in. I'd like mm. to do, but I've never put the time in to do it. One so. of the things
0: I think is most, like, it, like one of the coolest things that um, people don't even really talk about enough is that, did you know that scientists, like neurologists, don't even know to this day why we even dream? Really? They don't even, people don't, they don't even know 100% why we sleep. Mm. They know what mm. the benefits of sleep are to us, but they think that from an evolutionary standpoint... If you think about it, like, sleeping is so inefficient. It's not so bad for us nowadays, but if you think back to when we were, like, hunter-gatherers and even before that when we were still, like, ape-like creatures, the fact that, like, say you were living in the middle of, like, a jungle with so many predators around you, the fact that you would basically just have to be completely unconscious mm. and vulnerable for mm. like hours and hours and hours a day mm. is like so inefficient yeah. isn't it yeah 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 it's like yeah like neurologists don't even know exactly like why we dream or like why we sleep
2: I don't know where, why I've heard, heard it or like where I've heard it mm. but um, isn't like my idea of why we dream mm. is because um, it's things that you don't consciously think about or don't consciously process in mm. your waking state. Yeah. It's a way for them to be played out and processed yeah. in yeah, your yeah, sleeping yeah, yeah. state. Yeah. Because yeah. if that you didn't, you would go crazy. Because mm. yeah. like you're, you, you, you know, if you're ignoring something, you don't even realize you're ignoring something, or something pisses you off, or, mm. or you know what I mean, and you, and you just kind of put it to the back of your mind. When you're sleeping, it's like your subconscious saying. You need to you need to process this. Yeah, if you don't yeah, yeah. process it, it's gonna yeah. drive you nuts. You know. Yeah. 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 So like, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So like, we know, like, we know what the benefits of sleep are and all the things we do. So like, in terms of like memory retention and things like that, um, and obviously like physical recuperation, everything like that. But as I said, in terms of like an evolutionary standpoint, mm. Mm. Um, like why it needs. Yeah. To like, do you know what I mean? Like, why, in terms of like, it, it almost like seems like such an inefficient thing to do from an evolutionary mm. standpoint. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I guess then there are those benefits which are what makes it
1: efficient. Well, not, not, yeah, in, but, not in a certain way. Yeah, I, I get like not yeah. not as someone that's going to be hiding from predators and everything.
0: Yeah. But in terms, yeah, of so just like we know the benefits the as life. I said, but we don't know like why we've evolved. Like to, you know, I mean, like surely there would have like maybe have been a way to evolve in a way that we could have done that in a way that would make us less vulnerable. Mm. You know. Mm. Mm. So, I remember I remember reading that
1: one one side of your brain is the side of the brain that makes the dreams. And the other side is the side that reacts to it and that's why you never know what's going to happen in a dream. Really? Because when you're in a dream, it's that part of your brain that's like going through that's like your conscience and that's why you're always like shocked at twists. What, and like turns. The logical
0: part of your brain is reacting to the like creative part of your brain yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's like the left side creates it and the right side like reacts, reacts to, it. to it. And that's yeah. why you never know what's going to happen mm. in a dream. That so would sort of make sense in a way, cool. wouldn't it? You could imagine, because I feel like your right side is like problem solving. Mm. And stuff like that, and then the left side is just pure like creativity and imagination. It's almost like that's just like going overdrive, and then you're trying to make sense of it with the mm. right side, <laughs> which is like all the logic. On a journey. That's quite cool, yeah. isn't it? That's quite cool. That was The Spirit of Man by Jeff Wayne. Mm. You're listening to Pandora's Box on Aspen Radio. Cheers for chilling with us this evening. If maybe you're listening for the first time on the radio and you're not aware... Um, Pandora's Box also is a podcast that's on YouTube and Spotify. So um, if you're liking all these factoids, please go on our YouTube, type in Pandora's uh, Box Podcast. Give us a little subscribe and you'll have um, all of our previous episodes there for you guys Mm. to watch. And on Spotify as well, just the same thing, obviously just Pandora's Box um, podcast. And um, real thankful to say as well. Um, that we've currently got a five-star rating on yeah. Spotify. So cheers for anybody out there. If any of you have actually um, rated, rated us. us five stars, we really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It's um, cool, because not many like podcasts or anything actually have mm. five stars. How long you know? do you reckon it'll last? Mm. Not long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. you know. can only hope. Now yeah, yeah, we've said that, stars, don't please. go on there and give us a one, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just to Cheat be a little... Keep coming. Just, we'll just to be a little solace. Well, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't think it's like something you should dwell about. But I still wanted to, like... I still wanted to convey my thanks, mm-hmm. you know, for all of those um, people actually that have given it five-star rating, that's, that's really sound, so Friends thanks, everyone. Friends of the pod. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. So, um, before that last track, Spirit of Man, I said I'd talk to you a little bit about um, Danish explorer, Einja <gasps> Mikkelsen. So, um, do a little bit of story s- story time now, so gather around and I will tell you all about the life of Danish explorer, Einja Mikkelsen. So... In 1909, Danish polar explorer Einar Mikkelsen set out on a mission to recover the lost maps and journals of a doomed Arctic expedition to the northeast coast of Greenland. What he didn't know is that it would take him three years to make it back home. Dun-dun-dun! <gasps> In 1891, um, you know, many years prior, almost two decades prior, Explorer Robert E. Peary outlined the eastern coast of Greenland and mapped a channel separating what he believed to be an island he called Perry Island, sorry, Perry Land from the mainland, allowing America to make a claim on the island. This led to determined Danish sailors on a fatal voyage to dispute the claim in 1907 and Anya Mikkelsen on a quest to find them. So yeah, so obviously Greenland and stuff is owned by yeah. Denmark and things like that, so mm. they wanted to... You know, make sure that it was owned by the Danish, not by the Americans. Mm -hmm. But in August 1909, Mickelson's ship would get trapped in Arctic ice some 200 miles from where he believed his predecessors had died. And let's face it, 200 miles is a long way, especially when you're in the Arctic. Mm -hmm. According to his autobiography, Two Against the Ice, Mickelson began the journey with six men, but would be abandoned By all but one novice crewman, and and he went on to endure two winters stranded in the Arctic. It's since been this is this is the Netflix. Oh, it's a Netflix movie. It's not a series. Uh. It's Since been adapted into the Netflix movie Against the Ice. The book attempted to convey some semblance of how harrowing the world of exploration was in the early 1900s. Remember, we talked about that other guy before. I think it was a Norwegian explorer. Do you remember like, ages ago on Pandora's box? I can't remember his name mm. now, but he was like this giant he looks great. There's some cool pictures. Is it of the them. one that had the Eskimo tongue? Uh no, the, the whale tongue. Oh sorry, yeah. Not- yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and then the Eskimos told him that the whale had been there for like two months. Yeah, 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 and right yeah. he, he boiled yeah. up the, the whale oh, tongue. And apparently it was really tongue, like rub- Yeah, really rubbery and salty, and they told him it'd been there for two years. But I guess it was like so frozen and stuff that you know, it managed he not thought, to kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um yeah, he was cool. I think he was, like, a Norwegian guy. But, yeah, all of those, like, crazy, Nor- like, Nor- uh, you know, Norwegian and Danish explorers mm. that all, like, went into the Arctic and that, like, crazy exploration. But, yeah, so I'm being adapted into uh, the movie Against the Ice with, as I said, the guy that played Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones, Nikolai Costa who's nice. a Danish guy himself. So it's almost, like, pretty cool that they've got a Dane. Hats hmm. off to the Danes. Yeah, man, hats off to the Danes. Um... From frostbite and scurvy to predatory wildlife, Anja Mikkelsen and Ivor Iverson endured terrifying hardship to survive. That goes on to give you some background on, on um, Anja Mikkelsen as a man. So he was born in December 23rd, 1880, in Brondeslev, Denmark. Anja Mikkelsen gravitated to the seas since he was a child. He was raised by generations that had risked their lives in treacherous expeditions. He grew up with tales of Arctic adventures and unprecedented discoveries. It soon became a lifelong passion to do the same. Mikkelsen was only 14 years old when he set sail for the first time on his own. While invigorating, he would not be satisfied until he became a true sailor. In 1896, he purportedly walked 320 miles from Stockholm to Gothenburg to convince Swedish explorer Solomon August Audrey to take him on an Arctic balloon flight. Anya Mikkelsen wouldn't know it yet, but he was lucky to be rejected. Andre's perilous journey ended fatally in, o- in October of 1897 when the hydrogen balloon failed to reach the North Pole and all three of its passengers died. So that was a lucky escape. Right? After walking 320 miles to like beg to be on it and then you like mm. let down and then you hear later on that like everyone on that was on it died. Must have been like, cool, that's a close call. Yeah. In 1900, however, Mickelson was welcomed aboard Sir George Carl Amdrup's expedition to eastern Greenland. Mickelson and four others, including US geologist Ernest Tikoven Leffingwell, Ooh, mm-hmm. which definitely sounds like a made-up name, but it's not. <laughs> Ernest Tikoven Leffingwell mm. ended the 500-mile trip in 1902 by surveying a famously inaccessible coastline for the first time. The following year, he served as the cartographer on Evelyn Baldwin's expedition to Franz Josef Land, an Arctic archipelago used only by the Russian military today. In 1906, Leffingwell's father sponsored an Arctic expedition to map land that whalers had reportedly spotted in the Beaufort Sea north of Point Barrow, Alaska. With $5,000 and an engineless schooner, they set out to find it, but were forced to stop at Flaxman Island 200 miles from their goal. Fortuitously befriending the local Inuk-Saka-Wachik people, they learned how to drive dogs across the ice and set out in February of 1907. After traversing 120 miles over 60 days, the duo believed the route fatal and returned, only to find that their ship had sunk. (gasps) That would suck, wouldn't it? Oh my god. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? They literally traversed 120 miles in two months. And then when they realised that they thought the trip would be fatal, returned and then found their ship sank. Oh my Can you imagine God. you like how deflated you, yeah. you feel? While Leffingwell stayed behind to study the ice, Mickelson had other plans. Taking his chances to make it back home, Mickelson trekked all 2,300 miles on sled and by foot. What? That is crazy, isn't it? Passing through Point Barrow and Nome. He continued through Fairbanks, Valdez, and the Gulf of Alaska. His return heralded the arrival of a truly seasoned explorer. Although Einar Mickelson's biggest challenge was still yet to come, this goes on now to the expedition to recover the lost maps in Greenland. Mm. I love how like, epic this sounds as well, like an expedition yeah. to recover lost maps. Mm. I mean, you know it the sounds like it's
1: not been made before. This is I know. Such I make, a story.
0: I think like, I, it's making me really mm. want to see the movie as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. The ill fated Denmark expedition of 1907 saw Ludwig Milius Eriksson, Niels Peter Hoeghagen, and Jorgen Bronland set out to prove that Greenland was a single unified island that belonged exclusively to Denmark. But in doing so, they relied on Robert E. Peary's maps of northeast Greenland, which included the hypothetical Peary Channel, dividing the region in two. Mizzled by the incomplete maps, even as they sought to disprove them, the men became lost in the Arctic and were soon trapped in the ice. While Bronland's body was found in 1908 with his maps and diary, Milius Eriksson and Hoeg Hagen's never, never were. As a Dane and fellow explorer, Einar Mickelson couldn't decline when British newspaper magnate Lord Northcliffe offered to finance a 1909 expedition to locate them. Patriotic to the core, However, Mickelson demanded that the trip be financed with Danish money. His government agreed to fund half the cost and let the public raise the rest. Mickelson's chose a crew of six men and a 55-tonne sloop named Alabama that ran on a 15-horsepower engine. It departed Copenhagen on June 20th, 1909. While Lieutenants Wilhelm Laub and C.H. Jorgensen, shipmates Hans P. Olsen and George Paulson and carpenter Carl Unger were suited for the job, Mirkelsen's mechanic turned out to be an incompetent alcoholic. <laughs> That's not what you want. Ooh. Surely you should like check that beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. A bit, a bit of, of a of, background
0: uh, check. Yeah. I suppose in those days it was probably a bit harder to do like mm. accurate background checks on yeah. people. Do you know what I mean? If somebody just turned up and was like, Yep, I can do this. Yeah, it'd probably be like really hard like to, to actually do loads of background <laughs> information on them. While en route to Greenland, the Alabama stopped in ice where a young mechanic named Ivor Iverson volunteered to replace the incompetent mechanic. I've got photos up of all of this as well. Yeah, mm. so if you're watching, um, if you're not watching on YouTube, go on YouTube. And if you want to see, um, as I'm talking about this, young Bullwinkle um, is showing you lots and lots of pictures. Mm-hmm. When they arrived in the Faroe Islands, the expedition suffered a setback. They had planned to board dogs that would allow them to drive across the ice in Greenland. But the animals they had contracted were infected with rabies. That's just oh. not what you want. Oh. Is it? That's just not what you want. Rabid dogs. Oh. Not so- a lucky man. Mm. While they found, re- well, in some ways he was. Obviously, True. he could have True. just died True. on that balloon. Mm. Do you know what I mean like the other, like the other poor mm. SOBs? Mm. While they found replacements on Amasalik Island, their arrival in Greenland was delayed until late August. At the tail end of summer, the wooden sloop became trapped in the ice of Shannon Island. On, and on August the twenty-seventh, nineteen o nine, Mickelson was forced to have his crew establish their quarters on land. Ominously, they were now two hundred miles from the Shawn site where Milius Eriksson had reportedly wintered before dying in the ice. On September, I just can't like conceive him as being like two hundred miles from where you were supposed to. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. two hundred miles away from where you want to be in like the Arctic. Like that's such a long way no, to travel way in, in that yeah. condition. Do you know what I mean? On September the 25th, Arno Mickelson and Ivor Iverson set out while the rest of their crew stayed behind. After finding information that the other crew members had made it some 500 miles farther north, they returned to the Alabama for the winter, determined to set out the following spring. Man. Mm. I'm going to leave it there for a second. I said I'm going to leave about halfway through the story. But like, how crazy is that? So they've just determined, as I said, after finding information that the other crew members had made it some 500 miles farther north. Mm. And now they've returned to the Alabama, to the ship, to try and literally wait it out for the entire winter. Because the winter is going to be so harsh, they're not going to be able to even make it out until the spring. So you basically just have to like set up camp and just hope that you don't freeze to death. Crazy. And hope that you can like have enough food in that to, to hold it up. <laughs> that was made of stone by the Stone Roses. Love the Stone Roses, classic nineties British band. Um, before that we had Thunderchild by Jeff Wayne. You're listening to Pandora's Box on Aspen Radio. I'm your host as always, Abidia Pennywhistle. To the left of me we have Young Bullwinkle, who today is Ziz. And to the right of me we have Mr. Drew Armstrong who today is Faldo. Faldo Faldo and We are Zips. telling you the uh, the life story and the of the epic journeys of Einar. Mikkelsen, mm. the famous Danish explorer who um, there's a new Netflix movie out about at the moment with um, the guy that played Jamie Lannister, Nicolai Custawaldo, is playing him in the Netflix movie. So where we just left off, um, Anya Mikkelsen and Ivor Iverson have just um, tried to set up camp in their ship, the Alabama, which has been stuck in ice, which is now stuck in ice, um, and they're going to have to camp out over winter. Um, because basically the conditions will just be too nasty. So they're going to try and set out the following spring. So, how Anja Mikkelsen and Ivor Iverson battled against the ice. As chronicled in his 1913 book Lost in the Arctic, Anja Mikkelsen and Ivor Iverson left the ship once again in March of 1910. Sorry, 1910. By May, they had found the diary of Milius Eriksson and confirmed that Perry Island did not exist. However, their struggles had just begun. So
2: so they found mm. they found
0: something they set out for. They found mm. a, a bu- By May they had found the diary of Milius Eriksson. Yep. That's crazy. And confirmed that Perry Channel did not exist, thus obviously confirming that all of Greenland should be owned by Denmark. Mm. Oh. Mm. So they've achieved almost like their their, you know, their goal. Their goal, but they're also now like just, just stuck. Stuck. Just mm. stuck in the in the Arctic. Yep. Um however their struggles had just gun summer had arrived and the ice they had traversed by sled to get to the site was melting fast it took them eight months to return back to the ship along the way they resorted to eating their sled dogs to survive Whoa. and suffered daily hanus- hallucinations after the last of their dogs died i guess just because they were like so fatigued yeah, and hungry yeah. and like Starving. so full of stuff star- like, yeah just like ha- hallucinate. imagine like just tripping in the arctic just imagine what weird had- i wonder i'd like to know like what weird stuff they saw. Mm. What, so like, do you know what I mean? Mm. It'd be interesting to know like, what they were hallucinating about. Yeah. That'd be cool. No wonder, like, you know, because that, that picture of him looking <laughs> super wide-eyed. Mm. Like, that's... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can tell he's, like, been through a lot <clears> mentally. <throat> do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It says, when they finally made it back to the Alabama, they found they had been abandoned by their shipmates. He found passage home aboard a sealing vessel can't really blame them in a way. I mean, it's pretty bad for them to leave them, but they, maybe they thought that they just mm, died. Because mm, let's face mm. it, by this point, I mean, it says that it took them eight months then, just to return yeah, to the ship mm, after they'd found yeah. those diaries. That's a long time. Oh, yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's two, and that, that doesn't two thirds encounter, of a year. Uh,
2: them going to find yeah, exactly. the, the stuff. Exactly. I, so, I still can't believe that they actually found those diaries. When you think of all the snow and all the ice and everything, Like ha- and how huge it must have been, like... How the hell did they get their hands mm-hmm. on that? Really,
0: just really good explorers, great cartographers. Mm. Yeah, but it's so impressive, isn't it? Yeah, think about how it big the Arctic mind. is. If you look yeah. at it on a map, that's what, what I mean. Like, and like, can this can little you... diary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> can yeah, you imagine like how this...
1: euphoric mm. they must have mm. felt when they found that diary? I think mm.
0: it'd been like twenty years by that point. So that's twenty years, as you said, of like snow and ice building up. What the hell? Do I mean? It's a long time. It's not like it was like from like the previous winter. It then goes on to say um, when they finally made it back to their ship and they realised that their other crewmates had had, um, escaped on that sealing vessel, um, they would be forced to endure two further winters in Greenland, surviving on abandoned rations from previous expeditions that they found while evading predatory wildlife. That would be sketchy, wouldn't it? Think polar bears, man. Yeah. And polar bears are vicious as well. And the thing is, um, life is so harsh up in up in like the arctic like that. It's like if a polar bear sees you, it's 100% going to try and eat you. Oh yeah. Them. It's not like, you know when like you see like grizzlies and it's like they might they might or they might not. Mm. With a polar bear it's almost like no, they will. <laughs> yeah. And they're just so massive. It's like well, what can you really do? You know, unless you have like guns on you, especially when you got like no energy. <laughs> yeah, no energy and think if you didn't have like, like even if you did have a gun on you, like it would probably jam because they probably would yeah. probably like, well, probably yeah, to, like yeah, fro- yeah. freeze over. Mm. The explorers used their quarters on Shannon Island as long as they could but it would prove insufficient for the long winter ahead. So they used timber and planking from the wreckage of the Alabama ship to construct a small cottage. When it appeared as they all Ooh. hope was lost... Ooh. Oh, that was a little message from, from um, Heaven. Mm. From Arjon from Mikkelsen in Heaven. Thanks for sharing my story, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It says, when it appeared as, all, as they all hope was lost, the two men were rescued on July nineteenth, 1912, by Norwegian steamer the Sjölinsten. Not dissuaded from adventure, the Danish explorer led an expedition to the Surmasug Municipality in eastern Greenland in nineteen twenty four. Then he settled what became one of the uh, one of the most remote inhabited places on earth, which was henceforth known as Scoresbusant. What's that noise that keeps happening? Mm. Just
2: turn on the the one that says zoom, yeah. And yeah, there, yeah. Turn that down, yeah. No, so, yeah. I right. was quite honest, <laughs> I thought it was adding to the story. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mind it too. I not
0: yeah, so, um I said, he went on to um, found one of the most remote inhabited places on Earth, which was henceforth known as Scoresbysund, and had no more than 345 residents in 1920. Mm. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? And he went on to have, like, another, like, yeah, do loads of other stuff as well. Like, went on several more um, expeditions and did some pretty cool stuff. And then... Um, On Arjan Mikkelsen's 90th birthday in 1970, he was given a national tribute by the Danish government. He died mere months later on May the 1st, 1971, with a Danish patrol vessel and Greenland Mountain Range named after him. The explorer had truly become the kind of famed adventurer he dreamed of as a child. So, rest in peace, Arjan Mikkelsen. What a legend. Also, it's pretty cool that after all of that hardship, he still lived to be
2: like over 90. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Do you know when you I mean? said 90, I'm like, that's a good age. Yeah, you'd know, yeah. you think yeah.
0: he'd be a bit weathered, wouldn't mm. you? Yeah, you'd think that, like, all that all of that crazy like hunger and exploring and hardship and all of that time in like, the ice and that maybe mm. would have taken a couple of years away from him. Yeah. You know what Wim Hof
2: says? What's that? The cold is good for you. Well, yeah, but I mean, I guess it's like,
0: it's good when you can choose. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean?
2: Maybe he just got, maybe he got real good at the Wim Hof method, just like, even before mate. Wim Hof was around. I was going <laughs> to say, he, <laughs> he, mate, he was, He'd be he didn't do the Wim Hof method. Wim Hof is the, oh, yeah. <laughs> Mickelson method. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> let's give the man, let's give the man his dues,
0: yeah. you know?
1: But yeah, what a cool guy.
0: So cool. So cool. So rest in peace. Friend of the pod. Friend. Anya Mikkelsen. Of the pod. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Did you have something you want to talk about, man? I have a story for you both. Let's listen. Historical. Oh, that's story. a historical story. Both. Let's
1: do it. So, uh, I want to start this off by just shouting out the place where I got all of the information for uh, from. It's a place... A, a place? It is a YouTube channel called Oversimplified. Right. And they make basically make these like cartoon sort of history videos. I watched all of them. Mm. Really, really good sort of storyteller and really gets the point across. But um, I'm going to hope to follow in his footsteps Mm -hmm. with this story now so the great emu or emu i should probably get it right (laughs) as i start the story the great emu war cool a battle of emus maybe so after the stock market crash and following the great depression in america one country had it worse than most australia Mm. Australia relied heavily on their export industries and with no one willing to buy Australia's economy took a downturn to make things worse Australia had made its own currency uh, the Australian pound using gold standard uh, which they essentially just joined on to the ride of the British pound and then when the British pound cut ties with the gold standard uh, there was as you guessed it more economic downturn so after World War II Many veterans were given land to farm. Uh, However, when the economy spiralled down, uh, many left this life and were then moved to the cities in search of work. This left a lot less farmers in Western Australia. And for those that remained, things were about to get a whole lot worse. So I've got up some photos as well, if you want to click on them as we go through. So the emu population, which is about six foot tall, 90 to 120 pounds, and can run 40 miles an hour, would usually go to the coast after their breeding season. But suddenly, they were left with an abundance of lush farmland, and so they stayed around and ate it all. (laughs) 20,000 emus cost the farmers millions in lost crops and damages. Mm. So, what did the farmers do? You would expect they would have gone to someone like the agricultural Mm. uh, minister or something like that. No in 1932, the farmers turned to the government for help, or more importantly, the Minister of Defence. Uh, and so Australia was to go to war with the emus. Cool. Uh, not everyone was happy with this idea however. So, they brought a camera crew with them so that they could get footage for the propaganda. Uh, this was obviously so that the public would then be on their side yeah, and yeah. see, oh, it was a huge victory, you know, whatever.
0: Loads um, of my emus just destroying stuff. Exactly,
1: exactly. So, for the first three battles with the emus, the Australian military essentially lost. What? <laughs> yeah. So, basically... Uh, the emus just pecked them to death. They, they would turn up, like, try and be all quiet. They'd shoot at the emus, and the emus would just run off. Really? And then they just, like... They, they were basically made to be fools. Um. Mm. All the press, it was coming back, and they were going, how are we losing? How is our military gone? Yeah, And we're yeah. losing in war Against to the Berts. emus. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, They were, they were even lucky. So like in one, in one circumstance, they got to them and then all of the, so they had two machine guns, which is what they were sent with, which at the time, I guess was a lot. Uh, And that was basically just to just gun down all of the emus. I'll see if I can find a photo while I'm reading the story of them using the machine guns. Yeah. There's a little photo Mm -hmm. of them like using that sort of machine gun in war. There's another one. (laughs) And yeah. Both of the guns jammed after they killed only 12 emus and the military ended up looking stupid. Mm-hmm. An opposite, uh, the press had a field day and an opposition party member suggested, suggested that medals should be handed out to the emus who had won every round of the war so far.
0: Right.
1: George Pierce, who was the Minister of Defence, decided to pull out of the war embarrassed. But four days later, when the farmers turned up and told him that the job was not done and that the emus were still eating the crops he decided to go back and end the war once and for all. Rambo. So, round two. went full Rambo. Round two. Round one went to the emus. Round yeah. two was about to start. Round two was more successful, with reports saying that they were cutting down 300 emus every week. Woo. Um, but the media had now lost interest, and with a 1,000 emus killed, Pierce finally ended the operation and declared victory. <laughs> so he came back he was saying, we won, hmm. we won. Then it was pointed out that he had only killed 1,000 emus of the 20,000 that were causing havoc everywhere. And he also ended up using 10,000 rounds of ammunition, meaning he used uh, 10 rounds of ammunition per confirmed kill of an emu. Um, So in the end, there was a victory for the emus all around and um they basically went back were embarrassed spent way too much money mm-hmm. and then there was just still problems until a couple of years later when they introduced new fences and mm-hmm. the fences just were just filled, better just so rather fences. than rather than
0: yeah going to war with them you could have just built a fence exactly yeah. exactly that was how they got around it in the end they just built a bunch of fences that's so funny isn't it <laughs> <laughs> literally went to war with the emus yeah and then yeah. in the end it was like actually let's just build a fence i thought that was quite a funny little silly story silly war story yeah <laughs> Yeah, they. I've like heard of lots of like um, like wildlife crises mm. that they've had in like Australia before. I know that because um, like you didn't have like they didn't have like domestic cats or like something like equivalent of that in mm. like Australia. But obviously, when like European settlers started settling in um, in uh, Australia, they
2: lacked the kiddies. They bring yeah them yeah, yeah cats mm. would come over,
0: but then like stray cats became like a massive massive problem in Australia right. to the point where I, th- I think even to this day. You can get an unlimited amount of tags. So like, if you're like a hunter, um, mm. you're not allowed... To, if you're like a hunter, you're not allowed to just hunt indiscriminately. So you'll get given, like... Depending on the animal, you'll mm. get given, like, so many tags. So a tag means that you could kill... Like, so if you've got given one tag, I mean, you could kill one of these species. Mm. right? But I think that in Australia, you can get pretty much unlimited tags for stray cats. And they literally obviously just look like like domestic cats mm. in, in uh, like, Britain or, or Europe or the US, whatever. Just think of, like, any domestic cat. But they've just gone fully wild, and they have just, like, destroyed like they're just like destroying Australia's ecosystem. Oh my god. So there's like hunters in Australia that spend all their time just like shooting cats. Whoa, it's crazy. Man. Mate, get up some pictures. So in like Australia um cat like, problem. Yeah, <laughs> Australia cat problem and like hunting cats and stuff. I don't want to see it like it's it's pretty savage to see the images cuz it's yeah, like you know what I mean Cause yeah, I, yeah. especially cuz I love cats so it's like but that you can see why the problem arises cuz like obviously ecosystems out of balance. Yeah, ecosystems evolve as well like as we talked about before. It's like if there's an, if you don't have to like Evolve for a certain predator, well, they're not going to be. So there's apparently, there's like. Types of ground nesting birds Mm. that had no predators that they didn't Mm. have to worry about anything that would that would like you know prey on them in the way that like a cat does. Yeah. And um, but then as soon as the cats came along, these cats came and apparently they've wiped out like Mm. entire species of of ground nesting birds and apparently like wiped out species of frogs and that as well. This is crazy. So the final report
1: found that every year, each individual feral cat in Australia. Kills 390 <laughs> mammals, 225 reptilians, and 130 bit birds. Oh, reptiles! <laughs> reptiles. <laughs> reptiles. Um, uh, what did you say? Reptilians. <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah. adds up. Yeah. Every year, feral cats kill 1.4 billion native Australian animals.
0: Yeah, man, they're killing machines, that's aren't they? Crazy. Cats are like almost like the perfect killing machine. Do you know what I mean? Like when you like see when you like just round up those stat- stats. I mean, that's not like. That's not like a lion or a... T- that's just like... A, that's a cat. That's yeah. just like a little domestic cat. Well, so well you they know.
2: not have like wild cats over in Australia? Like, no, mm. not at all. That's crazy. No, I don't know. Off the top of
0: my head, I don't want to think they have uh, any sort of like native cat like that. No. Mm. Mm. Anyway, doesn't um. matter. Doesn't matter, man. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Got to wrap up the show. What? Yes, yeah, the end of the show. Oh. Thanks to everyone. That's uh, made it this far with us this evening. We appreciate every single one of you. We'll be back next week again for some more Pandora's Box shenanigans. Until then, have a great week. We loves you.